How are we doing, Revolution? <laughs> I think that gets worse every week. Well, uh, Pastor Matt is next door with your children, if you have children in the nursery. Uh, so we will pray for them, and by them I mean your children. Um, uh, we are going to find ourselves in the Gospel of Mark this evening, and that's going to be um, page 599 in your blue Bibles. Um, and so if you want to turn there, and if you, if you don't have a Bible, we, we tend to encourage folks, if you don't have a Bible or the Bible you have is hard to read, please take this, uh, take this with you on your, your way out this evening. Uh, the passage I've been assigned is um, Mark 1, 21 through 34. And, and really, this is a text that zeroes in on the authority of Jesus. Um, and, and Mark is kind of opening this chapter of this whole book, stressing that Jesus has authority, and particularly that Jesus has a unique kind of authority. Um, I think uh, there's probably only a few words that have... Um, that our culture hates more than the word authority. Uh, we, we just don't like that word. We're, we're trained from a very young age to be suspicious of authority. Um, you know, so, so high school students know your teachers are actually all idiots and you should be skeptical of everything they do and say, right? Um, and, and, and we learn to be skeptical of the government and, and of, of those in authority over us, and, and sometimes for good reason. And then, even on the flip side, if you're in a position of authority, there's, there's, uh, there's this fine line that you walk. You, you want to exercise that authority carefully. You don't want to actually look like an authoritative person, right? So a boss doesn't want to give orders. He wants to make suggestions to his employees. Like, like maybe um, if it's not a whole lot of trouble, you could like, show up on time, and that would be helpful for the rest of us, right? Um, and, and then parents, you don't want to be your child's parent. You want to be their buddy, their pal. You know, you're, you're hip to their lingo and their world. You're down with that. And so you, you want to be their pal, right? You don't want to tell them what to do. You want them to like you. And so we, we just aren't comfortable with authority. And, and we take that idea, we take that reality, that struggle, and we take it and apply it even to Jesus. See, the reality is, is we all like Jesus. Jesus is a, is a cool person, right? He's, he's nice. He did some awesome stuff. He's, he's a great teacher. We like Jesus. I don't know anybody that doesn't like the idea of Jesus. But the minute that you tell people Jesus has authority over their bank account and over their sexuality, uh, things change. We're not quite as comfortable with Jesus anymore. We don't like that Jesus. Instead, what we really like is is something more like this bobblehead action figure Jesus. I don't know if you've seen these. These lovely little bobblehead action figure Jesus. You can find these in, in any number of novelty stores, I'm sure. Right? He's a, he's a nice looking guy. Look at this. He's a nice guy. He's, he's Jesus, right? He's got a smile, rosy cheeks. He's an affirming kind of guy. Hey, here's Jesus hanging out, watching football with you. Right? There's Jesus. We like this guy. This is the kind of Jesus you could, you could set on your TV and he could just hang out and watch the game with you, right? No judgment, no, no sort of condemnation. He's just hanging out, right? right? He's the kind of guy who, who would, no matter what you were doing, if you, if you touch his head ever so slightly, he just nods in affirmation. Yes, you are a good person. Yes. I mean, this is the Jesus we like. Right? This is the Jesus we're comfortable with. 
It's the Jesus we want to take with us where we go. Not, not the Jesus of the Bible, because the Jesus of the Bible says some hard things. The Jesus of the Bible has authority. And that makes us quite uncomfortable. Our passage for tonight unpacks that um, in some pretty clear details. And we'll just kind of look at the kind of unique authority that Jesus has in Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 21. It says, Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus cut him short. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. And at that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this, they asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away, so he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. That evening, after, the sun, after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. The context here finds Jesus teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. And, and the synagogue is a little bit different than the temple. The temple would have been the, the primary worship place for um, a Jew. He would have gone to Jerusalem. He would have gone to the temple. They would have offered sacrifices. And, and the priest was in charge of the temple. But the synagogue kind of pops up all over the empire as, as Jews kind of spread out. And it's different. Uh, the the synagogue isn't run by a priest. It's run by just kind of a, a, a general guy in charge. He's more of a janitor, and, and maybe he has something to do with the worship. But he's not a priest, and he, he doesn't do the teaching. And so any, any of the, the average Jewish men could have come and opened up the Old Testament, opened up the Torah, and, and read and taught those present. And so Jesus comes, he opens up, and he teaches. But he teaches in an extremely distinct way. His teaching is unique. And, and, and the text tells us that the people listen to Jesus and they say he teaches as one who has authority. He teaches not like, they said, the religious leaders, not like those whose profession was to study the Torah and teach it. He taught with authority. See, the way that the Jewish religious leaders taught was, was they would open up the Torah and they would say, well... Uh, on this verse here, Rabbi so-and-so says this, but Rabbi so-and-so says that. What are we to make of it? Well, we could, we could interact with both of these, and they would debate, and, and then we'll talk about Rabbi so-and-so, and he says this, and, and then there's Rabbi what's-his-name, and he says that. And they, they just kind of bounced around and talked about all these different ideas, but they never said anything definitively. And Jesus comes on the scene and teaches and says, this is the word of God, and he speaks it authoritatively. Here it is. It's different. 
It's, it's got concreteness to it. We live in a context, certainly, where saying anything definitively is hated. You can't say anything is true except that nothing is true, right? That's the only thing that's got definitiveness to it. So if we talk about authority, we live in a culture that has an authority vacuum. Not only do we hate it, but, but we don't want to even acknowledge that it exists, right? You can't say anything definitively, but here's Jesus speaking plainly, speaking boldly, and he says with authority. Here is God's word. But Jesus has a unique kind of authority. Because for Mark, it's not just that Jesus speaks the word and says definitively, here's what it says. But for Mark, Jesus backs it up. So in this context, there's a, there's a man with a demon who comes into the synagogue, and, and he shouldn't be there. He's, he's, according to Jewish law, unclean. And he has a demon, he comes into the temple, and he recognizes who Jesus is, and Jesus casts out the demon. He backs up his authority with real power. He says, I, I can teach with that kind of authority because here's who I am. If you recall from, from a couple weeks ago, Pastor Matt taught the opening of Mark. And Mark says, this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus, the Son of God. That's what Mark is driving home to his readers. Jesus is the Son of God over and over and over again. He wants us to see Jesus has authority because he is divine. That's what happens. He backs it up. The crowd marvels, not just that Jesus teaches with authority, but he commands even the demons and they obey. And I want you to pay careful attention to that. Jesus commands and the demons obey. The demons hear Jesus speak and they obey, they respond. Now it's peculiar to me, it's peculiar to me that the demons know who Jesus is. They hear his commands and they have to obey them. But then I wonder what happens when Christians hear Jesus' commands. You see, there's, a, there's something that's concerned me for a while It's concerned me about the church at large. It's concerned me sometimes about our church. And that is that many of us who wear the label Christian seem to have no real interest in submitting to Jesus. See, when Jesus commands the demons, they obey. When Jesus commands me, I justify myself. Right? Well, Jesus, you've got to understand the circumstances. I mean, my situation's a little bit different. I mean, I know it's a rule for everybody, but kind of not me today at this time, right? And and we operate that way. Jesus gives us a command, and the demons obey, and we excuse ourselves. Well, I I mean, I know know I'm breaking the law when I drink under the age, but but my parents are okay with it. It's no big deal, right? I mean, I, I know it's wrong to get drunk, but I'm not getting behind the wheel of the car. It's all right. I mean, I know sleeping with someone who isn't my spouse is wrong, but we're not really sleeping together. I mean, it's kind of a a gray area there, God. I mean, yeah. I know that the Bible says that hate and anger are a sin, but if I just put it on Facebook, I'm not really saying it, right? It's okay, right? I mean, it's like you didn't have Facebook when you were around Jesus. It's different. It's different. Yeah. 
And, and the thing is, is I, I, I genuinely believe that, that many of us here tonight really do love Jesus. I, I believe that. We really do love Jesus. We love to, to sing praise to him. We, we love to serve others in his name. We love to, to talk theology and study the Bible. And we love to think about God. And I believe many of us genuinely think of Jesus as king, like our, our sermon series um, identifies him. And we would say, Jesus has authority. But the minute that somebody else says, Jesus has authority over your bank account and over your sex life and over your mouth, then we get angry. We get angry. And, and when we get angry, we usually respond in one of two ways. One possible way to respond is to say, well, forget it. If Jesus has authority over my life in those areas, then I just don't want to be a Christian. Right? I don't want your Christianity. I don't want your Jesus. I'm going to do my own thing. And, and uh, I, I fear that there are some of you who are on the verge of that. Some of you I've talked with, and I fear you're on the verge of that. That you don't want Jesus messing with your life, and so you just don't want Jesus. At least not the Jesus of the Bible. But the other way to respond is because you do love Jesus, because you want to be a Christian, it's not to, to rule out Jesus, it's to look at the person who says that to you and go, you are a legalist. Who are you to judge me? You can't tell me what to do. Right? Pastor Dave, you're a legalist if you say that. Or worse, you're a fundamentalist. Oh, that's scary. Yeah. And so we, we, we respond in this kind of way. You, you can't judge me. You can't tell me what to do. Even though the Bible over and over and over again sets out for us what it means to be a Christian. And it says you are to look more like Jesus. Not be perfect, but look more like Jesus. The Bible gives us commands about what I do with my mouth and what I do with my eyes and what I do with my money and what I do with other parts of me. Yeah, the Bible outlines that. And to be a genuine believer means to submit to the authority of Jesus in all these areas of my life. We have a, a, a disconnect, I think. We are a church that loves the gospel, but I don't think we love godliness so much. And maybe I'm just thinking about me. But again, Jesus has a unique kind of authority. It's not just this sort of, I'm the boss, I told you what to do. Right? My mom used to say, uh, you do it because I said so. Right? And Jesus certainly could say that, but that's not what he says. He has a unique kind of authority. He's not the kind of king who's oppressive, who, who puts hard and laborious things on his children, on his servants. I mean, following Jesus is hard. Right? And, and if you've been a Christian for more than 30 seconds, you, you know that. It's hard. But it's not impossible. And sometimes I think the reason we get discouraged and the reason we don't want to submit to Jesus and the reason we don't want to talk about godliness is because we confuse perfection and obedience. We think, if I'm not perfect, then I can't obey God. But that's not true. I can please God and still recognize my imperfection. 
Our king is not heartless. He, he loves his servants. And our passage evidences that too. And in verses 29 through 34, Jesus begins healing all these people. They've got demon possession and sickness and disease. It begins with this moving story where Jesus goes into Simon's home and he heals his mother-in-law. I know some of you are thinking, that doesn't seem like a grace to me. I know my mother-in-law, right? But, but, uh, but, but Jesus cares about his people. He cares about them. He frees them and releases them. He, he exercises his authority here in a, in a unique way. He doesn't come with heavy hands and, and judgment. Not this time. He comes with love and grace and mercy. And, and look at the kinds of things he does. He heals those with sickness and disease. He heals those who are demon-possessed. Neither biology nor demonology can trump Jesus' power. He, he rules over all people in all situations. And he cares. His kingship is exercised in love. He's the kind of king that you can submit to. He's the kind of king who, who comes down in the midst of the mess. Right? Though he could have just sat up on his throne and looked down and said, you all deserve what you get. Instead, he, he came down into the mess, submitted, uh, humbled himself. And he comes to free and release. And some of you, you're, you're praying for that. Some, some of you, you are praying, God, release me from the slavery of addiction. Free me from this. Some of you, you are praying, God would heal you from, from some terminal sickness. Some of you are praying that God would free you from the power of Satan himself. And I would encourage you tonight, keep praying that. Jesus delights to free his people. He's the kind of king who cares, who loves, who loves you and wants to free you, wants to give you release. But again, Jesus has a unique kind of authority. The passage here has two really interesting phrases. In, uh, in verse 25, after the demon recognizes Jesus as the Holy One of God, verse 25, Jesus says, uh, be quiet and come out of the man. Okay, so he's telling the, the demon essentially shut up and, and get lost. Right? But then, down in verse 34, we read again at the end of the verse, but because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Now that's a peculiar phrase. I mean, Mark's whole point is to drive home to his readers, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is divine. So why, in the, in the narrative, is Jesus then telling people not to talk about who he is? We see this elsewhere in Mark, where, where Jesus will heal somebody, and he'll say to the person he healed, tell no one of what I've done. Why does he do that? Well, what's the point? Part of the, the situation here in Israel is that Israel's waiting for the Messiah, but in their mind, the Messiah is a political figure. The Messiah is somebody who's going to lead an army into Jerusalem and throw off Roman oppression. That's what they're looking for. And Jesus does not want his authority to be misunderstood. He's a different kind of king. Sometimes the Gospels are talked about um, as... as crucifixion stories with really long introductions because the point of the gospel is ultimately Jesus goes to the cross. And so some scholars have said, I think unfairly, they've said, well, the gospels, they're, they're really crucifixion stories with really long introductions. But 
but even though I, I might say that's probably an overstatement, there is a sense in which the cross of Christ sort of casts this shadow over the whole narrative. Constantly we're being reminded that Jesus is going to this place. You see, Jesus does not want people to think of his authority just in terms of healing and casting out demons and doing these kinds of miracles. He wants people to see his authority ultimately in the most strange place. He wants people to see his authority displayed in his death at the cross. See, regularly people throughout the Gospel of Mark misunderstand Jesus' authority. The disciples do it. We have this this story, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. He gets a couple of fish and a couple of pieces of bread and he multiplies it to feed 5,000 people. And then the next day, he gets in a boat, he goes across the sea and the crowd sort of runs along the coast. They go to the other side, they meet Jesus there and they say, hey, Jesus, uh, show us some more stuff. Show us who you are again. And Jesus says, you're not really interested in me, you're just hungry. See, they misunderstood who he was. They didn't get it. We have other situations where where the disciples think they understand who Jesus is and then they say something really stupid. They put their foot in their mouth. It's evidence that they don't get it. Even the the so-called triumphal entry. We've got Jesus riding on this this donkey, marching into town, and and the crowd shouting, Hosanna, you know, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And they're they're waving and hailing Jesus like he's a king, and then within a week they're going to kill him. See, the triumphal entry, I think, is, is a misname. The whole event is rather an embarrassment. They really don't know who Jesus is at all. Or one of my favorite stories from the Gospels, two of Jesus' personal favorite disciples, James and John. They're like best friends of Jesus. And uh, they come to Jesus and they say, when you enter your new kingdom, can we sit on your right hand and your left hand? They want to be Jesus' like special rulers with him, right? They want to sit like high up on his throne with him. I mean, not on the throne, but kind of like right next to it. Actually, they don't ask. They have their mommy ask for them, which is like a whole other issue. Uh, Like my mom's going to ask Jesus if I can hang out with him for a while. Um, But they don't get it. And Jesus looks at them and he says, you don't know what you're asking. You have no idea what you've just asked of me. Because Jesus knows ultimately his authority is going to be exercised not as this king overthrowing Roman oppression, but as, as a crucified criminal. He's going to be killed and tortured. And he's going to die. And ultimately, in that death, he's going to exercise his authority in the most profound way. It's through the cross that Jesus frees us from sin and Satan and death and hell. It's in the cross that Jesus pronounces, I'm God, I'm ruler. It's in the cross that Jesus says, I will deal with everything. Jesus is king, but he is uniquely king in his dying for his people. Friends, this is, this is a king you can submit to. See, the, the religious leaders, they were oppressive. They, they had all these rules, not rules from the Bible, but all their own rules about how you had to get to God and how you had to serve God. And, and they were just crazy, ludicrous things. And Jesus says, I will make a way for you. Jesus says, I didn't come to judge you, but I came to love you. I came to save you. 
I came to serve you. So the, the question, the question is, can you submit to that king? See, I, I remember for the longest time, I, I thought that to be a Christian meant be a good person, do some good things, go to church at least, you know, at least twice a year, um, and, and, and be a, a, a sort of a, a good example. And so I liked Jesus. I didn't have any problem with him. But I didn't really think a whole lot about him. And when I realized that I was a sinner bound for hell and judgment because of my rebellion against God, and when I realized that the king who should punish me paid the penalty for me, I didn't just like Jesus. I loved him. I realized that, that this is the amazing thing about the Christian religion. Jesus doesn't say, change your ways, be a better person. He says, I will change you, but first, I'm going to pay the penalty for you. It's, it's hard to be a Christian. I know that. And I, and I want to help you. I, I want our church to be a church that makes disciples. I, I want to I call people to the gospel, but then I want to help you grow. And, and that's part of my job here at Revolution. Matt, Matt stands up here and, and prepares sermons to work with you, and he meets with you, and then I get to meet with you. That's one of the things that, that I spend my week doing in the, in the building next door or on campus or wherever is, is just meeting with people and helping you work through what's going on. What's going on in your life that, that's troubling you, that's, that's stopping you short of submitting to Jesus. And if you think, I've got to be perfect to be a Christian, you misunderstand. The gospel is not be perfect. And, and, and obeying Jesus does not mean being perfect. But it does mean submitting to Him. It does mean wanting to obey Him. It does mean finding ways to be godly even in imperfection. And there are some of you here tonight who are perilously close to just, just considering this whole thing a wash. You're not sure what you think about Christianity. You're sure you really don't like the idea of Jesus having authority. <coughs> I want to encourage you, come talk to me. Let's talk about what's going on. Let's talk about how you can see this king not as, as, as hateful and hard, but as one who loves you deeply, a, a unique kind of king. And the kind of king who yes, who, yes, says, there are things you need to do. You, you must obey me. But the kind of king that loves you and wants to help you. And, and that's, that's one of the responsibilities I have here is to, is to help you in those ways. So, so come talk to me. Don't give up yet. And if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to consider this gospel. I want you to encourage you to consider who Jesus says he is. Yes, he's authority. Yes, he is power. Yes, he is God. But he's a God who went to a cross and paid a penalty for you because he loves you. Jesus is a unique king. Will you submit to him? Let's pray. Jesus, King Jesus, we, we love you. We want to serve you. 
but it seems sometimes like it's just so hard. Sometimes it does seem impossible. I pray that you would remind us that by your Spirit's power, it is not impossible to be godly and to love you and to serve you. And I pray that where we are, where we are just running our own way, where we are being selfish or lazy and refusing to change, I pray that you would remind us of your authority. Remind us of what it means to call you king. And for my friends here tonight who are not yet Christians, I pray you would draw them to you as a king who loves them deeply. You are a unique king. And we pray tonight, long live the king. Amen.